0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Common Sense is Not Common. Thanks for joining us today. You are so awesome. Do you remember the name Ayton Pates? Well, on May 25th, 1979, six-year-old Ayton Pates disappeared. It was the Friday before the Memorial Day weekend. The ground was still wet from earlier rain. Ayton was eager to walk the two blocks from his home at 113 Prince Street, to the intersection of West Broadway and Prince Street in Lower Manhattan to board his school bus to Public School PS3 at 490 Hudson Street. But Aiton never made it, never made it to school that day. It was the first day that he walked by himself to the bus stop and the last day he was seen alive. His mother Julie recalled how independent Aiton was and how he wanted to walk to the bus stop by himself which she initially objected to, but subsequently, being a mother, she gave in. I'll be okay were some of the last words that Julie recalled her son saying to her. She walked him to the door and watched him leave the nest. She remembers him wearing an Eastern Airlines cap, that company has long been out of business, some blue jeans and a blue jacket. Aton had a dollar in his pocket that was given to him by a neighborhood handyman, Aton had planned to use that dollar to purchase a soda from the bodega on the way to the bus stop, which was only two blocks away. He went out into the world with hope in his eyes, money in his pocket, and a bright future. But little did he know that that rainy day in May would lead to a May Day distress call that would be heard across the nation and catalyzed the missing children movement. When Aton didn't come home that evening, his mother called everywhere, his school, his friends, but no one saw him. He never showed up for school and his friends say he never was on the bus. Julie then called the police and a missing person's report was filed. And that night, the search for Aton began. But Aton was never found. And while a man confessed and has been convicted for his murder, police was unable to find any physical evidence to corroborate the case. And even though he was pronounced dead in absentia, the fact that his body was never found has left a window open for some to say that he may not be dead. Aton lived with his mother, father older sister, and younger brother in the Soho neighborhood of Lower Manhattan. For the uninitiated, SOHO is an acronym for South of Houston Street, a name that was coined by famous developer Chester Rapkin in 1962. Today, SOHO is known for its boutique shops, art galleries, and loft apartments, home to famous people like Dakota Fanning, Alicia Keys, Daniel Craig, John Legend, Justin Timberlake and Samuel L. Jackson. However in the 1970s it was a much rougher neighborhood. New York City on a whole looked very different then than it does now. A financial crisis had sickened the city, one that many thought the city would never recover from. There was a massive exodus to the suburbs, high unemployment rates, muggins on the subway Prostitutes and pimps in Times Square, Central Park was feared for muggins and rapes. Homeless people and drug dealers occupied boarded up and abandoned buildings. The NYPD was the subject of an investigation for widespread corruption. A pamphlet was released by the Council of Public Safety made up of police and firefighters and other unions. It was called, Welcome to Fear City which featured a prominent skull on the cover. The pamphlet warned tourists not to come outside after 6 p.m., not to leave midtown, to call your cab before you leave your hotel, never to ride the subway, and don't leave your personal property in the hotel safe. If you were a tourist coming to New York and saw that pamphlet, you would definitely turn back. So try to imagine what Aiton Pate's neighborhood looked like back then. Boarded up buildings, dark alleys, no surveillance cameras, no mobile phones. Many of the things we enjoy today just weren't available then. When Aiton Pates left his house at 113 Prince Street, he would have had to walk two blocks to get to the bodega on the corner of West Broadway and Prince Street. Once on the corner, he allegedly entered the bodega where he planned to purchase a soda. The individual who was convicted for his murder worked at that said bodega. In his confession, he claimed that he lured 60-year-old Aiden Pates into the basement of the bodega and strangled him. The bodega was located at 448 West Broadway, but has since been long gone, and the business that currently occupies the space is a sock retailer. In the days after the disappearance, the police interviewed the workers of the bodega. Records show that the store manager, Juan Santana, was interviewed. The names of two other workers, Rachel Davila and Pedro Hernandez, were noted but nothing in depth. It's relevant to note that the bus stop was just in front of the bodega. When the case was reopened, the police received a tip that Pedro Hernandez may have abducted and killed Aiton Pates. Pedro Hernández confessed, stating that he lured Aton into the basement by offering him a soda. He added, after strangling him to death, he placed his body in a trash bag and then inside a cardboard box. Then he dumped the box in another location. But if that were the case, wouldn't Aton's friends and other parents at the bus stop seen him before he was lured into the basement or while he was being lured into the basement? Hernandez also mentioned that there were other people in the basement with him. He said that when he took the body out, he left other people there in the basement. Who were these other people? And what were they doing there? Throughout the case, there were three major suspects in the disappearance of Aton Pates. In 1979, the detectives in the case suspected that the perpetrator was John Ramos, a drifter who lived in a storm drain in the community. Ramos was a known child molester who even admitted that on the same day that Aton disappeared, he molested a boy in Washington Square Park that fit the description of Aton. He claimed, however, that he placed the child on a subway after he molested him. Ramos had a connection with Aton through a woman named Susan Harrington who used to walk Aton home from the bus stop after school. It was suspected that Ramos had a relationship with Harrington. He even admitted to molesting her son, her own son, who later committed suicide. The prosecutors were unable, however, to bring criminal charges against Ramos because they say the evidence against him was just not enough. However, the Pates did bring a civil case against him which they won and was awarded damages in the tune of $2 million, money that they never collected. The case went cold until investigators received information that a carpenter, Othneil Miller, who had a workshop at 127B Prince Street near where Eton lived, might be involved. Miller was seen with Pates the night before his disappearance and his shop was along the route that Aton would take to his bus stop. Investigators became suspicious after reports filed by his ex-wife that Miller molested his niece and that he poured fresh concrete in his basement soon after Aton disappeared. His basement was dug up in 2012, however, no evidence of a body or remains were found. Then, investigators received another lead in the case when the brother-in-law of Pedro Hernandez reported that Hernandez had confessed to numerous people that he had hurt a boy in New York. He was tried and a mistrial was declared because the jurors could not come to a unanimous decision. The case was later tried and Hernandez was found guilty and sentenced to 25 years to life. Aton's school was just a five minute car ride from his bus stop on West Broadway. When Aton's mother called the school, they reported that he never showed up for school that day, but at least eight hours had already elapsed since he was last seen. If the parents were notified when attendance was taken, they might have had a much better chance of finding Aton alive. Today, Many parents and guardians receive an automated message when their child is missing from school. According to the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children, approximately 800,000 children are reported missing each year. The Aiton Pates case placed a spotlight on missing and abused children in the United States. In the 1980s, he was one of the first faces to appear on milk cartons seeking the public's assistance in locating missing children though Aton was never found the awareness that his abduction started has helped numerous children across the country thank you for listening feel free to contact me on facebook instagram and twitter at its common sense podcast and please rate this show on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen subscribe to us get your friends to subscribe and let's go viral together Until next time, have a good day.